Welcome again, humans. Welcome again. Welcome, welcome, welcome again. In today's episode, I would like to continue the discussion I began in my previous episodes called The Church as a Person and How the Dialogue Views Scandal. <clears throat> this is a continuation then of talking about what God said to Catherine about unholy ministers and corrupt happenings within the mystical body of the church. And this is from the section of the dialogue that's called the mystical body of Holy Church. If you have the um, Classics of Western Spirituality edition of the dialogue, this is on page 220. If not, it's in the section called the mystical body of Holy Church. Okay, to begin. God says, I have told you, dearest daughter, something of the reverence that ought to be given my anointed ones, no matter how sinful they may be. For reverence neither is, nor should be, given to them for what they are in themselves, but only for the authority I have entrusted to them. The sacramental mystery cannot be lessened or divided by their sinfulness. Therefore, your reverence for them should never fail, not for their own sake, but because of the treasure of the blood. If we reflect back on what was said earlier, previous episodes and earlier in the dialogue, God explains to Catherine that priests have been anointed in the blood of Jesus Christ to be his ministers, to administer his sacraments to the people of the church. And so that's what he's referring to when he says, because of the treasure of the blood. And he also had previously spoke about reverencing them because of that dignity, because they are, as we now call it, in persona Christi. They are in the person of Christ when they administer the sacraments. And so you reverence them for the sake of Christ, not for their own sake. No matter how sinful they are, they still deserve to be reverenced because of the call that God has called them to. So he's just recapitulating that in this section. And then he goes on to say, Looking to the contrary, I have shown you ever so little how grave and displeasing to me and how harmful to themselves is the irreverence of those who persecute the blood. And I have shown you the compact they have made against me by binding themselves together in the service of the devil, so that you may grieve the more. I have told you specifically about this sin because of the persecution of Holy Church, and I tell you the same of Christianity in general. Anyone who lives in deadly sin is scorning the blood and letting go of the life of grace. But much more displeasing to me and serious for themselves is the sin of those of whom I have spoken specifically. He was talking specifically about those who persecute his ministers, his priests, because of their sins. 
So again, he's just reiterating this fact that it doesn't matter how sinful they are. You do not want to incur sin because of that. And that would be persecute, persecuting them or hating them. That would be a sin on your part. So again, just recapitulating. You reverence them because of the blood of Christ. Because of the vocation that God has given them. Period. Now, moving on to the next segment. God says to Catherine, Now, I would refresh your soul by softening your grief over the darksomeness of those wretched ones with the holy lives of my ministers. I have told you that they have taken on the qualities of the sun, S-U-N, so that the fragrance of their virtues mitigates the stench and more deeply the sinful darksomeness of those other ministers of mine. So open your mind's eye and contemplate me, the son of justice, and you shall see these glorious ministers, who by their stewardship of the sun have taken on the qualities of the sun. Pause there for an explanation. We have already talked about, in my previous two episodes on this topic, about how God demands purity of his ministers and demands our reverence for them because of that vocation. We've also talked about how scandal infuriates Jesus just as much, even more, than any of us. Now God says he will refresh Catherine's soul and ours by pointing out the holy ministers that do exist within the church. Not all of them are bad. So he says, I want you to look at them and be refreshed. Continuing on, he says, I have told you about Peter, the prince of the apostles, who received the keys of the heavenly kingdom. Just so, I am telling you about others who, in this garden of holy church, have been stewards of the light, that is, the body and blood of my only begotten son. He is the one undivided son, S-U-N, son. And all the church's sacraments derive their value and life-giving power from his blood. All these of whom I am now telling you were appointed by rank, according to their state, to be stewards of the Holy Spirit's grace. How have they administered it? By the gracious brightness they have drawn from this true light. So you keep that in mind. Again, he's reiterating. There set their vocation comes from Jesus. What they are doing in administering these sacraments comes directly from Jesus. It doesn't come from themselves, it comes directly from Jesus. All of the church's sacraments, he says, derive their value and life-giving power from his blood, from Jesus' blood. All of her sacraments. <clears throat> And he continues on to say, Does this brightness, brightness of the Holy Spirit, exist by itself? No, for neither can the brightness of grace exist by itself, nor can its light be divided. One must either have it whole and entire, or not have it at all. Anyone living in deadly sin is by that very fact 
deprived of the light of grace. And anyone who has grace is spiritually enlightened by knowing me. For I am the giver of grace, and of the virtue by which grace is preserved. It is in this light that the soul recognizes the wretchedness of sin and its source, sensual selfishness, and therefore hates it. By hating sin and its source, she receives the warmth of divine charity into her will, for the will follows understanding. And she receives the color of this glorious light by following the teaching of my gentle truth, capital T, whence her memory is filled in pondering the blessing of his blood. Pause there and take a moment to unpack this. What jumps out at me, and what I hope jumps out at you, is how God says, one must either have it whole and entire or not have it at all. And he's speaking in reference to the light and the grace of the Holy Spirit. You must have it whole and entire or you don't have it at all. What does he mean? He explains in the next sentence, anyone living in deadly sin is by that very fact deprived of the light of grace. So he's saying you cannot be in sin and have the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. Deadly sin. Specifically, he says, if you live in deadly sin or what we would call mortal sin, you do not have the grace and light of the Holy Spirit. Because he must be in your soul how whole and entire or he is not there at all. It's an interesting point there. And I wanted to use that as a jumping off into the next segment. So first I'll recapitulate. What God has said is there are holy ministers. There are holy ones. And allow yourself to be refreshed by that. But remember this. This is a pivotal point. Remember this. If a person is living in deadly sin, they do not have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must exist in your soul, whole and entire, or he is not there at all. He gives you an example in the, in the paragraph above that where he talks about Peter. Previously, he had talked about Peter to Catherine. We'll pause for a moment to look at that. What we, as Catholics, or anybody else, can just look at the Bible, have a cursory understanding of what Peter did. <clears throat> Peter was hot-headed, impatient, quick to to say he was going to do one thing and then not follow through. Prime example is in the Gospels where he tells Jesus that he's ready to die for him. Jesus explains that he will be handed over and crucified. He explains this to them several times. And Peter, several times, says to him, No, Lord, I will not allow this to happen. First time he says that, Peter calls him Satan and says, Get behind me. Another time when he says that, Peter is very quick to say, Oh, well, I will go and I will die with you, Lord. I'm not afraid. Wonderful. What does Peter actually do once Jesus is arrested? He hides. He creeps along, following behind them. And then when he's found out, when people say, Oh, you, you knew this man. You were one of his disciples, weren't you? Not once, 
not twice, but three times, Peter denies that he even knew him. Within a matter of hours, Peter goes from, I will die for you, Lord, I will do anything, to, I didn't even know him. I'll tell you very honestly, from my perspective, I'm not a fan of Peter. I'm not a fan of somebody who does that. However, Jesus forgave him. Peter redeemed his life by participating with the grace that God was giving him. Jesus forgave him. And now, in this dialogue, God says to Catherine, I have told you about Peter, the prince of the apostles, who received the keys of the heavenly kingdom. Right after he talks about, let your soul be refreshed by these holy ministers. He says, now look at Peter, the prince of the apostles. He received the, king, the keys of the heavenly kingdom. The one who denied he even knew Jesus is the one that Jesus gave the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom of heaven to. Why? Because he repented. Because he was forgiven. That's one point to look at. The second point, then God is, um, opens up, you could say. God starts opening up this teaching to Catherine by saying that a person cannot live in deadly sin and have the Holy Spirit. You must have him whole and entire or not have him at all. But anyone who has grace is spiritually enlightened by knowing me, for I am this light, and that the soul recognizes I am the giver of grace. Sorry, excuse me. I am the giver of grace and of the virtue by which grace is preserved. So God gave that grace to Peter. The virtue by which grace is preserved. God is that virtue and the giver of that grace. He gave it to Peter. It is in this light that the soul recognizes the wretchedness of sin and its source, which is sensual selfishness, and therefore hates it. By hating sin and its source, she receives the warmth of divine charity into her will. Now when he says her or she, partly he's talking to Catherine, but also he's talking about the soul. As we understand the soul to be um, spoken about in feminine pronouns because the soul is primarily a receiver. So he's saying then, when you recognize how awful and how gross sin is, then you begin to hate it. And when you do that, you receive divine charity into your will. You receive the Holy Spirit again. So he's opening up for her. Repentance. When a person repents, then they receive that Holy Spirit again. And then he continues to say, As soon as these three powers are ready, the soul shares in me, the Son. By being enlightened by my power and the wisdom of my only begotten Son and the mercy of the Holy Spirit's fire. What are these three powers? Let's back up a little bit. As soon as the eye of the understanding rises above physical sight by the light of faith and contemplates me, the will follows by loving what the eye of understanding has come to see and know. And the memory is filled with what she, the will loves. 
and as soon as these three powers are ready, the soul shares in me, the Son, by being enlightened by my power, in the wisdom of my only begotten Son, and the mercy of the Holy Spirit's fire. So he says these three powers of the soul are the understanding, or the intellect, we could say, the memory, and the will. And you'll see this talked about in, in other areas in the church. There are three powers of the soul. These are the intellect, the will, and the memory. And God says to her, once all of these are ready to receive me, then they do. They receive the Holy Spirit over again. But the understanding first has to see that sin is evil. Sin is gross. I don't want it. When the understanding sees that, then the will says, get away from it. I want to be away from sin. And the memory functions by reminding you that this thing is sinful, stay away from it. And so that is repentance. When you understand that sin is bad, I don't want that, then you will to get away from it. And then you receive the Holy Spirit again. God continues, so you see, the soul's powers have taken on the qualities of the Son. In other words, once these powers have been filled and clothed with me, the true Son, they behave as the Son does. And he's saying this in S-U-N, like the sun in the sky. The sun warms and enlightens, and with its heat makes the earth bring forth fruit. So also these gentle ministers of mine, whom I chose and anointed and sent into the mystic body of Holy Church to be stewards of me, the sun, that is, of the body and blood of my only begotten son, S-O-N, along with the other sacraments that draw life from this blood. They administer it both actually and spiritually by giving off within the mystic body of Holy Church the brightness of supernatural learning, the color of a holy and honorable life in following the teaching of my truth, and the warmth of blazing charity. Thus, with their warmth, they cause barren souls to bring forth fruit and enlighten them with the brightness of learning. By their holy and well-ordered lives, they drive out the darksomeness of deadly sin and unfaithfulness, and set in order the lives of those who had been living disordered lives in the darkness of sin and the cold that came of their lack of charity. So you see how these ministers of mine are sons, because they have taken on the qualities of me, the true son. S-U-N. By love they have been made to be one thing with me and I with them. We'll stop there. So God is explaining to Catherine that when these ministers are living holy lives, they are like the sun, the S-U-N, the sun in the sky. They give off light. They give off warmth and heat, and they make things grow. So after illustrating to Catherine the need for repentance and what repentance does, it brings the Holy Spirit back into your soul, then he says, once you, you really live that out, you become like me, the sun that gives off light and warmth. And you actually make those around you grow. You bring about fruit. Especially his ministers who are giving the sacraments to the people. So in order to refresh your soul after having looked at 
the sinfulness and the destruction that the other ministers who have allowed themselves to be separated from the Holy Spirit. So looking at that destruction, then we look at those who have repented, those who have received the Holy Spirit back into their souls. They become light. They become warmth. They give that off. They help others grow. They're good for the church. And he says they become one with him, and he is one with them. So, I know there's a lot of uh, metaphors in there. There's a lot of strange imagery, maybe maybe seems strange. But it does help if you actually have the text to look at and see how he switches back and forth between the S-O-N, his only begotten son, and the S-U-N. In, in Catherine's um, dictation of this, it's, it's flipping back and forth between these metaphors. So it does help to have that. But if not, here's my explanation, as you have heard. If this is the first time you're ever hearing something from the dialogue, this is my explanation that when he says son as S-U-N, he means that as himself being the the giver of light, the source of heat, the thing that makes everything grow. Without the sun, nothing on the earth would, would grow. Everything needs the sun. All plants, all humans, all animals, we all need the sun. We all need the light and the warmth from the sun. So many times in the dialogue, he will use that metaphor for himself. I am the sun. I am the S-U-N, capital S. Just remember that, and it helps you to understand it a little better. So, recapitulate everything that we've gone over. God has demanded that his ministers be holy. He recognizes that many of them are not, and yes, this is very frustrating. However, however, don't lose heart. Don't hate them, because their vocation comes from God, not from themselves. So don't hate them. Also, don't be disheartened because there are those that repent. There are those that live holy lives that are united to him. And they give off the light and the warmth of the Holy Spirit. So again, be encouraged. Continue to pray for our priests. Continue in hope. May God bless us all and give us the strength to do as he has asked.